what's up guys welcome back to another episode of the in the paint podcast i'm your host angelina martel and you can follow me on twitter at angie martel with two e's you can also catch me on the heat versus the world podcast streaming on spotify apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts and you can also check out my new website the court side view and with me today i have some guests so first say what's up to the in the paint audience heme or easy money heme on twitter hey what's up guys and next we have joel aka prezi harden on twitter say what's up how y'all doing? All right, so to kick off today's episode, we are going to be talking about a variety of different topics. But first, I kind of just want to touch on the Milwaukee Bucks and Brooklyn Nets series. You cannot deny this has been an extremely fun and exciting series, but let alone also a more unfortunate series on behalf of the Brooklyn Nets fans. For those of you who missed it, James Harden was injured early in game one with a right hamstring injury, along with Kyrie Irving, who was just recently injured in game four with an ankle sprain. So both of those players will be out indefinitely. We don't know when they're coming back. And then there was one, Kevin Durant. You know, it has been an extremely unfortunate series for the Brooklyn Nets, considering the assets they now have missing. And it is going to be more of a difficult task to complete, considering that now the Milwaukee Bucks have won two games straight ever since Kyrie Irving and James Harden have been injured. But that is not going to stop the Brooklyn Nets from doing whatever it takes to move on to the Eastern Conference Finals and potentially win it all in the end in the NBA Finals. But Joel, since you are a huge James Harden fan, I'm going to start off by asking you this question. Do you think that Kyrie's and James Harden's injuries are going to affect this series? And what do you think they can do to help overcome these circumstances they're currently going through right now? I think it's going to be hard for them. I mean, we saw in the second half, I guess, a little bit of a preview as to how the series might look. It's pretty obvious that they're going to put a lot of the pressure on KD. And so I think it's really going to come down to the other guys. Joe Harris has to step up. He's been terrible so far in the series, especially in the past two games. Um, Bruce Brown's going to have to step up. Uh, Jeff Green, those guys are going to have to step up. At least in game five, we don't know if Kyrie or Harden are going to be available for game six. And so, um, and so whenever those guys are out, it's always the pressure is going to be on the role players as well as KD in order to step up and play better. Uh, if Harden or Kyrie come back for game six, it's a completely different story. But for now, they have, we have to act like they're not going to come back. And in that situation, it's going to be on KD and it's going to be on the role players. Now, one thing that I did see is that the Brooklyn Nets this season won four of the five games where it was just KD playing. And so... I think that should be a point of confidence for uh, any Nets fans who might be a little bit worried as of right now with just KD. But again, playoffs are a completely different story than the regular season. So I guess it's just going to be a matter of uh, seeing how the game plays out tomorrow. And Heem, what about you? Yeah, um, I mean, it's a very precarious situation because the whole team was built on the big tree. So they pretty much gave away most of their depth just to get hardened. So right now, there really isn't a playmaker they could rely on. They don't really have like a standard point guard on the team right now. Mike Evans is decent, but he's more of a like look to score type of point guard. Tyler Johnson is more of a shooting guard and he just buries himself as a point guard. And then KD is going to have to play loads of minutes. And I feel like that's a very terrible situation for him to be in, coming off an Achilles injury. And yeah, like Pressy said, 
KD has won like 90% of the games he's played alone, but the Bucks are a very different opponent. Like they literally have three, three all NBA caliber defenders on their lineup. And Chris Middleton too might just make it four. So it's a very, very tough team. And now KD is going to have to do everything because he's their best scorer, defender. And right now he has to be their best playmaker. So it's a very bad situation for him to be in. But I mean, I feel like Steve Nash could like make some adjustments and it would help out a lot. Like, I feel we should go big. The Nets should go big. Because Brooke, Brooke has been dominating in the paints, literally. And the Nets are way too small. I know they've been trying to play small ball, but right now without Kyrie, without Harden, they will have to switch up loads of things. And it's about the next month. Like, you know what Kevin Durant's going to give you. Like, he can give you 40 points any day. He can get you eight assists. He can get you eight rebounds. But the role players have to step up. Joe Harris has been terrible. To be honest, he's been terrible all season when we're away from, when the Nets are away from home. So he's going to have to step up very big. But then again, they're in a good position because they're at home. So the fans could help out a lot, but role players definitely have to step up. But it's a very bad situation. And if I was a betting man, I would definitely bet on the box to win. Yeah. All right. Great points made by both of you. So I'm just going to give my perspective on the whole situation. You know, it's very unfortunate to see two out of the big three players go down in such a crucial times such as the second round of the playoffs you know you're winning to get that eastern conference final spot and to essentially hopefully to win it all and go big or go home it's basically that's the whole thing with the playoffs it's go big or go home and for two very valuable assets to be um basically just not eliminated but to be out of the picture for these next couple games for a team such as the brooklyn nets is very unfortunate and frustrating for the fans i can only imagine but it's nothing that this team hasn't faced before. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure in the regular season, they only played eight games with all three players, if I'm not mistaken. And for a 72 game season and to only play eight games with your big three, that's, it's not the biggest, um, it's not the biggest like um, disadvantage because, you know, the Brooklyn Nets were the second overall seed in the Eastern Conference. So they obviously had a lot more different assets to help them along the way, such as Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan, Nicholas Claxton, names like that, and Bruce Brown, to name another. And it's just, I hope that, I, I hope they can really just pull it off. Personally, I kind of want the Bucks to win the second round, just so like the people that thought, oh, this super team has what it takes to win it all. That's not always the case. And a big example of that is that the Heat were first round sweeps this season after going to the finals and becoming Eastern Conference champions last season. That just goes to show you that all, not all the biggest and baddest teams have what it takes to go far. And the Lakers are another perfect example, you know, 2020 NBA champions. And they were also a first round exit by the Phoenix Suns who are now going to the Western Conference Finals. And kind of going off the last question I asked, I got to ask, do you guys feel like it would be a quote unquote unfair series for the Brooklyn Nets, considering the assets they had missing this series and the disadvantage they had? And Joel, I'm going to start off with you again. I think it really just comes down to how you're viewing it. You know, pretty much every series is affected by injury. 
I mean, as someone who has watched um, James Harden and the Houston Rockets, it seems like every year they got something going, which ends up playing the, plaguing them. Of course, 2018, the Western Conference Finals, that's something everyone uh, knows with Chris Paul going down with the hamstring injury in game six or game five. And um, of course, there's been also other fair share of injury troubles for the Rockets over the past few years in the playoffs um, with Russ and his quad last year and all of that. But injuries are part of the game. And while technically, yeah, it is unfair. I mean, you're missing your second or your third best player, whereas the other team is fully healthy. So in that sense, yeah, it's unfair. But if you're looking at it in the whole scope of the uh, game, it's injuries are part of basketball. And every series, almost every series is affected by injury in some way or another. This isn't anything new this season or anything like that or this series. Um, it just depends on how you look at it. You, there is a valid argument for why the series is unfair. And there's also a valid argument for why I just like, this is just a part of basketball. And that's just how it's going to be. And him, what about you? I mean, if you lose like your second and your third and your fourth best player, because Dinwiddie has been injured all season too. Yeah, definitely is a big disadvantage. And the fact, the fact is. In the long run, no one is going to look back and be like, oh, Kyrie and James Harden got hot because this isn't the finals at the end of the day. So even if they get through this, they probably have to get through the sixes and then have to be a team in the West. So long term, no one is really going to look back at that. It will just be, oh, yeah, once again, injuries because LeBron didn't really get it. No one really gave LeBron any PT when he lost. So it's going to be the same for the Nets. But obviously right now and for a few months, it's going to be yeah, the only one because Kyrie was hot, Harden was hot, this, that, this, that, this, that. But at the end of the day, you just have to keep going. You just have to keep going. So no one is really going to listen to an excuse about, oh, yeah, the only one because of shoot. A few players were injured because at the end of the day, this isn't the final, so they will still have to win more series. So if they win this and they end up winning every day, it's not really going to be something people will look back on. If this is just a second round at the end of the day. Great points made by both of you once again, and I, again, I'm going to give my input on it. I agree with both of you guys had to say regarding that it's just a game of basketball and that's how it goes and injuries are a big part in the NBA and just basketball in general and to an extent I feel like it could be considered unfair for Brooklyn on Brooklyn's side because like I said they're valuable assets Kyrie Irving and James Harden two of their most valuable assets I should say are not available to play in this series a very crucial series I should say playing a very good Milwaukee Bucks team and like I said earlier, it's just un it's more unfortunate than anything because you go into this series very hopeful for what's next to come for both of these teams. And to see how far Brooklyn has come with them building up their super team with James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, um, Blake Griffin recently just joined the squad. LaMarcus Aldridge, who unfortunately retired earlier this season due to health issues. You know, it's just, this is the team that everyone is fearing going into this postseason. You know what I'm saying? It's just all the different players they have, anything can happen on any given night. And that is shown very clearly with how these injuries and how it can affect the team. And just how 
like it's more how they're going to learn how to persevere through all of this and what they have to do in order to make sure that they don't get eliminated and go to the Eastern Conference Finals. And my next question regarding that is Kevin Durant, you know, he has had his trials and tribulations in his career playing with OKC and then leaving and going to Golden State is winning his first ring in his first championship. And so considering how great of a player Kevin Durant truly is, if the Nets were to win this series, how would that affect his legacy? And even if he loses, how would that also affect his legacy? And this time, Heem, I'm going to start with you. Um, I mean, if he loses, you know the world is going to break because those are people are trying to see him fail. Everyone has been mad at him since he made that decision in 2016. So for the seventh thing, so you know everyone is waiting to see him fail. I do feel like, yeah, it will be a stain on his legacy, but not big enough because at the end of the day, he lost two of his best players. And if they can't come back in this series, then and he's not playing some average team. Like, I've been seeing people talking about, oh, yeah, LeBron. LeBron did this alone in 2018. But, yeah, the difference is LeBron built that squad. Like, they didn't have no injuries. And then again, they never faced a team this good. It was just the Pacers. No disrespect to the Pacers. So it's the Pacers and the Raptors. Those weren't teams as good as this. This, team's, this team has three All-Stars and... Brooke Lopez, who's probably one of the best centers in the league, or the most underrated. So I do feel like, I mean, I feel like everyone has KD top 12 or top 15 right now. I don't feel like it pushes them off there, but obviously you're going to see a lot of hate from everyone because most people have been waiting for him to fail. If he wins this series without Kyrie and James Harden, because there's been a narrative for a long time about he can't win without super teams, which is not true because he's just always been in bad positions. And then injuries. In 2012, he was like 23 when he got to the finals. He lost to Prime LeBron and D-Wade. I mean, you can't get mad at him for that. In 2013, he lost his second best player. Then he had to play with, I wouldn't say it was a terrible team, but it was just a team that was very badly built. Like 2016, everyone blames him for the choke. He was bad in game six, if we're being honest, but for the most part, he was pretty good because that team probably had like the worst facing in modern day history. It was just terribly built. They were playing with Waiters, Kanta, Adam Robertson. Ross is an amazing player, but spacing-wise, you don't want to be throwing the ball to Ross off a double T. So every single time, they could just triple KD and he would pass it out. And it would be a miss. So most times, he had to force every single shot he took had to be contested, had to be like three people were on him most times. So that really played a way in his averages and his efficiency. And people like, Talk about oh he shot 30% from three or oh, Robertson shot better than Robertson every single three Robertson took in that series was open 
every single tree KD took in that series was probably with like three people on him. It just isn't fair at the end of the day. But narratives will be narratives, so it is what it is. But if he wins this series, let's say maybe, I don't know about Kyrie, but it looked very bad. If maybe he could get Harden back and he wins this series, they end up winning the championship, then personally, I feel like he would have to be a top five player. Because, I mean, talent-wise, you can't even name three players better than Kevin Durant. Like, if we're just speaking talent-wise. Legacy-wise, the only stain has been the Warriors. And, I mean, personally, I don't see what was wrong. It was four All-Stars against three All-Stars. LeBron also had two other All-Stars by his side. So, if maybe they had played better, they probably would have won, too. So, I do feel like if he wins this, and he wins the ring this year. Because right now, I would say the whole public has him as a top 15 player. But if he wins this and he wins the string, he's definitely a top five player. I don't see, I don't see how you take that away from him. Like it really does a lot for him because you can't make up any narrative. You can't say, oh, he couldn't win with Steph Curry anymore. You can't say he couldn't win with, without a super team because he would have been like the best team in the playoffs. I feel like the Bucs are probably the most balanced team in the playoffs. You could argue the Suns, but I would say the Bucs because Giannis is probably better than anyone's on, anyone on the Suns. So if he wins the series and it leads them to winning the ring, then it would be big. It would be like LeBron's 2016 ring, personally for me. So yeah, it would be huge for him. Could boost him from a top 15 player to a top five player. For me personally, and I feel like it should be like that. So yeah, it's big. And Joel, what about you? Uh, I think if he wins this, it's a big time um, boost for his legacy because again, a lot of the impression for people on KD is that oh, he can't win without uh, a Hall of Fame point guard next to him, or he can't win without two All Stars next to him. But if he can pull this out, then I think KD kind of silences that um, theory or that um, false assumption about KD because he's going up against, while it is technically just one all-star with Giannis, that's a very, very well-constructed team. Uh, Chris Middleton was is very much an all-star caliber player. Drew Holiday uh, isn't really an all-star caliber player, but he's very, very good. And that's a well-constructed team as well. They got great role players around them. Um, Brent Forbes, Brooke Lopez, and all those guys it's a very very good team and especially considering um minus two of those superstars the brooklyn team is kind of depleted they have a lot of quality role players yes but you can't compare holiday middleton and those guys to like bruce brown and joe harris right so for kd if he does manage to win the series without Kyrie or harden next to him that's going to be a big boost to his legacy now if he loses i don't really think it hurts his legacy that much because at the end of the day kd has not a lot left to prove, right? He's a two-time champion, two-times finals MVP. Uh, he's made the finals once without being on like a super team. Um, so I don't really think AD has a lot more to prove. I don't think this is really going to hurt his legacy, but if he wins, uh, it'll definitely help his legacy a lot because I think he can prove in a way that he doesn't really need a super team or need a Hall of Fame point guard next to him to win. All right, great points made by both of you once again. 
And my whole opinion on Kevin Durant's legacy and whether if he wins or loses, you know, regardless if he wins or loses, he's still one of the best players in the league currently, in my opinion. And there's no doubt about it. Ranking-wise, I'm not sure. At least, I'd say at least maybe top seven, even top five, in my opinion, personally, like currently. But, um, yeah, you know, playing for a team like this, like with great um, assets like James Harden and Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant's played with James Harden in the past in OKC, and they gelled pretty well together, in my opinion. And they came so close to winning the finals. It was a very great series from what I remember, like watching highlights and such. But um, yeah, to play, I don't really believe in the sort of standard or stereotype that he needs to be on a super team or a high caliber team to win a championship, like Joel said. It's really, I can't say it's luck because obviously basketball in the NBA comes with so much skill, like in a, in a crazy amount of talent from all of these players delivering something offensively and defensively. But I really feel like it just comes down at the end of the day to how the team performs overall and whether they were able to make a statement and or prove a point in the playoffs and the regular season. And just depending how like again like injuries and now with the pandemic health and safety protocols play their role so there are going to be more unfortunate disadvantages in times like this but then again that's basketball and stuff like that happens so will it affect his legacy if he wins or loses yes and no because if he wins it will bring his tear up by a lot like he said and if he loses i feel like that stereotype that he needs a super team to win it's going to be more of like oh like you joined this team with all these players yada 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 and you still couldn't want to chip but then again like I said it comes with those disadvantages and just things play their role in the game of basketball and it is what it is and the next point I kind of want to touch on it also happened pretty recently the Suns just made it they swept the Denver Nuggets and are now going to the Western Conference Finals we don't know if it's going to be against the Clippers or Utah just yet but until then, CP3 has made a very big legacy for himself. He scored 37 points last game. He played in game four versus the Denver Nuggets. So my question for you guys is, what are the possibilities for CP3 after this season? Do you think he's still going to be in the league, even if he wins or loses? Will he retire? Joel, I'm going to start out with you. Well, he's obviously going to be in the league. I think probably the question is you know is he gonna resign with Phoenix? I don't I haven't I don't think I've seen a report that he's considering retiring or something like that. But I think CP3 still, especially if he does win the championship this season, I think he's definitely gonna stay. Um, I think Phoenix is probably the best place for him to be right now. Um, you know he's got young talent around him that's gonna be getting better. Devin Booker is still only like 24. Um, Kale Bridges, Cam Johnson, all those guys they're still pretty young. DeAndre Ayton also, uh, they're gonna develop. CP3 is probably best staying with Phoenix, and I think he's probably going to resign there. It's the best move for him, and given how the playoff bracket has been shaping up, especially now with Brooklyn weekend, um, there's a very good chance that Phoenix might be the title favorites right now, right, with Milwaukee, um, Philadelphia. I don't know how I trust either of those teams or how much I trust either of those teams, especially seeing how uh, Aiton locked down Jokic, I think. If he can stop Jokic, I'm confident in his abilities to try to slow down uh, Embiid or Giannis and with as far as the Clippers and Jazz go I think I trust the Suns to take care of either of those teams in a Western Conference Finals matchup I think 
if the Nets do go down, which is looking increasingly likely with Harden and Kyrie out, I think the Suns become the title favorites. And I don't think that CP3 has a reason to, number one, leave Phoenix or number two, retire. I think he's going to stay and he's going to keep playing for a few more years. And he, what about you? Um, I mean, he's in a great place. Like, if I was him, I definitely wouldn't leave. Like, Aiton is going to be a superstar if he isn't already. He's probably the best big man defender in the league. You could argue AD, but AD does not like to play the center. So I would say Aiton is probably the best big defender in the league. And then you have Devin Booker, who's, who's definitely a superstar. And he's only going to keep getting better. He's just 24. The sky's the limit for Booker. Like, everyone says, like, the next Kobe. I don't think there's going to be another Kobe, but there's a lot of similarities between both of them and how they play. And then Bridges, too. Bridges is a lockdown defender. It's just a very deep squad. You have campaign coming off the bench. If they can, like, come up with a contract, because he's, like, 37 now. I don't know if he's going to be elite in, like, two years' time. But then again, his game doesn't really rely on athleticism or finesse. It's just calm. So as long as they could, like, work on, like, a decent, a decent contract, at the end of the day, you do have to pay him what his worth. And right now, he's worth a lot. But three years from now, will he be worth that? I don't think so. But, I mean, he's a point guard, and he doesn't rely on athleticism. So he could get through it. But, yeah, like, he definitely has stayed there. That's the best option for him. There isn't a better team out there for him to go to right now. The Bucs used to be a good idea, but... They have Joe Holiday right now. So, yeah, I feel like he definitely should stay there. And especially if they win a ring. If they win a ring, then he's obviously staying there. If they don't win, they could decide to shake things up. But, yeah, I do I do feel he stays there, definitely. All right, great points made by both of you once again. And... My opinion on Chris Paul with the Phoenix Suns and his progress currently, I really feel like he's made for the Phoenix Suns. You know what I mean? Like him and Monty Williams have a special connection. And I feel like with that, that helps them to get along well and helps him like improve his game and just gel really well with all the players, you know, Devin Booker, Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton, players such as that, that will go far in the future, even when he's not in the league anymore. I feel like the role he's been able to help with Devin Booker and him playing next to each other on the Suns. It's been a real help for Booker, in my opinion. And it's just, I feel, I personally have the Suns winning it all. I know those people. It's like, oh, Brooklyn's winning it all. I really, I really, really feel Chris Paul deserves a ring so badly considering how long he's been in the league and how good of a player he truly is. I just really want Chris Paul to win a ring. And Jay Crowder, I might be biased because I'm a Heat fan and he was on the Heat last season. And considering the run they made in the finals and how it was unfortunately ended in game six, I feel now that Jay Crowder is going back to the conference finals with a different team and to see him really flourish with that team he's in, I just want the best for him, really. They, him, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker just deserve everything, in my opinion. And so I just really hope that Phoenix is able to pull it off 
in the finals, whoever they may go against, or even pull it off in the Western Conference finals, again, whoever they may go against. And the next question I'm going to ask you guys is about a very, it's not too much of a controversial topic, but Luka Doncic, you know how they unfortunately had their postseason ended in game seven versus the Clippers in round one. Considering how great of a player Luka Doncic truly is, and there was people saying that, oh, he can be in the GOAT conversation when LeBron retires or in however many years. So there was a recent report saying that Luka Doncic's time in Dallas might be coming to an end, considering he feels that maybe floor is somewhere better than he does in Dallas, and Dallas isn't really giving him what he wants, which is to go to the finals and hopefully win a championship. So my question for you guys is, if this does happen, where do you guys think Luka Doncic could go and really flourish and just, where do you think he would flourish best is basically the question. And Joel, I'm going to start off with you. Um, I think for Luka, right now you're probably looking at like one of those rebuilding teams. Uh, of course, you know, me being a supporter of the Rockets, I mean, I'd obviously want Luka to come here, but that's a long shot. But again, there are connections. But since we don't really know where Luka's interested in going, I'll just make a case right now for why Houston might be a good fit for him. Obviously, he would reunite with uh, the, co- the coach who really made him into this offensive weapon, which was Steven Silas, uh, the former offensive coordinator in Dallas, who is now the head coach of the Houston Rockets. There's obviously that connection there. Uh, and of course, Dallas and Houston, very, very close in proximity. So if Luca, you know, if he has a house here or something like that, he has that advantage as well. So he doesn't have to travel very far from where he is in Dallas. Uh, he gets to sit in the Western Conference. I think Houston is a good fit. Again, we also have a lot of good pieces for him to work with. Christian Wood uh, is a good fit. Jay Sean Tate is a good fit. We have shooters as well. Uh, House, Armani Brooks, Eric Gordon, all of those guys. Um, Houston is a good fit, but there are, again, a lot of rebuilding teams teams of cap space that I think could really flourish with um, Luca. I think Minnesota is an interesting option, although their cap space I think is questionable because of D'Angelo and Towns' contracts, but Minnesota would be a nice fit for him. I think just one of those rebuilding teams, there's probably going to be a good fit for Luca, but I don't see him leaving Dallas. He is, even if he does, um, you know, enter restricted free agency, Dallas can still match whatever another team offers. So Luca whether he likes it or not, is probably going to be in Dallas for the long-term future. And I think he should probably wait a little bit, you know, give uh, the team some chance to get him some help, get him a superstar next to uh, him to, you know, give him some help, which was something that he really needed last series against the Clippers and really got exposed his lack of a a reliable secondary option. Just give the team a couple more seasons. He's still only like 21, 22. So he has plenty of time. I think he should probably just wait it out and give uh, the front office a couple more seasons. And him, what about you? I mean, the Nets do have some space for him. <laughs> but no, it it just depends on what he wants, I guess. The Mavs is, is a great place for him to stay at, but as presently constructed, that team isn't really, I don't think that's a team you could see going far in the future. They don't really have a bunch of young players that are good. It's a bunch of veterans. Porzingis was supposed to be like 
of the best players ever. You know, KD nicknamed him the unicorn. Every everyone was like, oh, this this might end up being a top five point forward ever. And ever since he got that injury, he just isn't the same. You know, he, he's lost a lot of explosiveness. So I don't feel like that's someone Luca can rely on going forward. At this point, Porzingis is not can't be your second best option. Not if you want to win a championship. And then again, the play style Rick Carlisle runs does play a lot into that because it's a lot of ISO, ISO, and then they don't post Porzingis up that much. So yeah, you could say maybe that, but I don't think that's a good second option for him. I just feel he has to look for a team with a superstar or someone he's better than. Because going forward, like Joel said, um, a bunch of rebuilding teams. I feel like if he's just trying to be great, yeah, he could go through some rebuilding teams. But if he's trying to be that gold level stylist that everyone thinks he could be, he has to join up with another star or superstar because going forward, like the league is different now. Like you're going to see more and more players joining up together. It's going to be more super teams. When LeBron and KD are gone, you're going to see a bunch of super teams. So if he goes somewhere and he's like, oh, I'm trying to play right. And then he's stuck there for a while. And then other players make better teams and super teams. He's going to lose out on a lot of time. And you know how it is. You don't have too many chances. Injuries could come. Losing things could come. You can't predict the future. So personally, Luca can go to whatever team he wants and he's going to make that team great. But I just feel he needs to look for like a solid number two, someone who is definitely a superstar and then recruit a person and they could go to a team together. I feel like Carl Anthony Towns would be perfect. The Heat, the Heat would have been good, but due to Cal, they're pretty much locked in. But if they decide to make some moves, get some openings, I feel like him and Adebayo would be a great duo going forward. And you could have, like, Butler mentoring him and things like that. But he needs a superstar going forward. He shouldn't settle because if he really wants that good stars, then all top five or top ten, then he has to play with superstars. But if he just wants to be great, have fun, and be in the best in the world conversations every now and then, and win some MVPs, then he could stay in the mobs or he could go to some rebuilding teams. He's a great player. He's, I would say he's a top seven player, definitely. So wherever he goes to, he's going to upgrade them. And they're always going to be in the playoffs. They're always going to compete. But if he wants to win, he needs to go and find himself a superstar. All right, great points been made, made by both of you once again. And my opinion on Luka Doncic is he is a young generational talent, and there's no denying that. And I tend to notice a lot of the younger players in this league, such as Trey Young, John Morant, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, like players like that, they're the main face for their franchise, like in the season, because they're, I feel like the younger you are, opposed to if you're older in the NBA, like let's say Chris Paul 
or LeBron James, or let's even say Jimmy Butler, like, you know, they're a little bit more up there in age opposed to those younger players. So when you're younger, your body functions better than opposed to your older and you've been playing in the league a lot more. But as to where he will end up going, I don't know if he'll actually leave. But as to teams he could go to, I have to agree with both of you and say Minnesota would be a good match, like as a rebuilding team. But again, due to their cap space, it might not go down the way we could hope if it were to happen. And he you brought up the heat. And I actually made a thing asking a potential trade package if Luca were to come. And honestly, I feel we'd have to give a lot of assets for Luka Doncic. Like, I'm talking Jimmy Butler, Gwon Dragic, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Precious Achua, names such as that, essentially a James Harden type. Like, when James Harden was rumored to come to the Heat, like, trades such as that, like, including a lot of great assets to our team. And while people would probably be like, oh, no, that's too many people, but for a young generational talent like Luka Doncic, you don't say no. You know what I'm saying? That talent that, that Luka Doncic has doesn't come around too often in the league, such as Duncan Robinson, a great three-point shooter such as that to reach 500 threes faster than Steph Curry. That doesn't come around very often. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, honestly, I don't know what's next for Luka, but best of luck to him, I guess. And just hopefully whatever he gets, I mean, whatever he wants, hopefully he gets and it's just that I'll leave it at that. And so before we end this episode, do you guys have any other points you'd like to bring up or any questions you guys would like to ask? Nope, I think we're good. We're good? Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. All right, so we're going to conclude this episode of the In the Paint podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time with a new episode.